Let's go to the Word of God now, shall we, this morning? As we close out the year 2023, there's any way I want to begin a year. It's the way I'd like to end a year. It's with the Word of God going in to me and out from me. Amen? Back to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. I begin reading this morning in verse 32, if you follow along as I read. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, also of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised back to life again. Would you bow in prayer with me this morning? Lord God, we know you listen to our prayers. We know that your ears are open to our pleas. We know, Lord, that when we play, pray according to your will, it will be done. And Lord, you've called on us to learn from you. You've called on us to study your word. You've told us again and again to seek after wisdom, to add to our wisdom knowledge, the knowledge or understanding. All of these things come from you, Lord, and so we ask that you would give it to us, that we might be of glory to you. We might be of usefulness to you as you then increase our faith and our faithfulness Help us this morning in that endeavor. We may be courageous in our faith as these examples which we will study today were. In Jesus' name we ask for this. Amen. Been studying and studying and studying chapter 11, the faith chapter. And it is a springboard to get us to what God is going to call on us to do, along with these Hebrews who first read this letter, beginning in verse, or excuse me, beginning in chapter 12 and going through chapter 13. In times past, God gave other tasks to other men and women. And chapter 11 is a recounting of some of their feats of faith. The faith that pleases God, as we have been entitling this chapter. And now we move on to faith that pleases God is courageous faith, is courageous faith. We are on that last day of 2023 on a Sunday, what a perfect day to have as the last day leading into a first day. This gives us every opportunity, if you will, to start right. 
Let's start with the word. And ask ourselves this question. Not what resolution will you make. I don't believe in those too much, as most people prove they don't believe in them either, even though they might make them. But I will ask you this, is how do you want to live in the new year? In 2024, would you like to live in fear in 2024? That is a very possible achievement. You can live in fear in 2024. Would you like to live in prideful self-confidence? I can do it. I'll make it happen. We can choose to live in fear or we can choose to live in courageous faith. We can choose to live in prideful self-confidence or courageously by faith. We know some things from experience and even from the Word of God that supports our experience in some cases. We know that fear without faith, freezes a person in place. Or, fear without faith causes a person to flee, to run, to fly away. Without faith, that's what fear does. Nothing or the wrong thing. Stagnant, standing in place, or flying for its life to save itself. On the other hand, and the other side of the coin is pride. Self-confident pride charges in where angels fear to tread. Some of you have one of these personalities, tendency to fear. Another of you have the other personality, the tendency to drive on, push on, charge on, both without faith is bad. You charge in where angels fear to tread. Just let me tell you this, you lose. But courage overcomes fear by acting on the promises of the Lord. Courageous faith overcomes fear by acting on the promises of the Lord. Key word, acting. And it pushes out personal pride by asking of the Lord and of the Lord's will first before rushing in. This morning I want to look at courageous faith in one part and next week I want to look at the next part. This morning, I want to look at courageous faith that sustains unto victories. It sustains unto victory. And next week, I want to look at courageous faith that maintains in defeats. So first, courageous faith that sustains to victory. This morning, this text that I read, it gives us a list of six men followed by nine clauses, and then one sentence. It is given to encourage us to join these 
who stood courageously by faith, who walked courageously by faith, according to the promises of God in faith, so that we will be courageous in our faith as well. Now let me give you just a little instruction as to what's going to happen this morning. What's going to happen this morning is I am going to be reading more texts than I normally read by way of example. What the Hebrews are hearing, every name that is listed, every clause that is made, and every sentence that is composed by God would for them explode in their minds with biblical knowledge, truth, history outlaid. And for many of you who have been walking with the Lord and reading your Bibles for many years from one end to the other, Old Testament particularly, they will spring forth with this knowledge as well. But for some of you, it will not as much. And so I feel the need to take you there and to let these names and clauses and the final sentence have the impact that I believe God wants it to have and it will have it as I read the words. My explanation and commentary will be rather limited this morning so that I can make it through all of the things that I determined to do so that we can look at this courageous faith that sustains unto victory. So let's get started. It has been noted, and I've noted it myself, even in myself and in many times in others of us in the Christian world, it seems that in the Christian world our problem as modern Christians, if we can call ourselves that, is that we give up too soon. That we give up on the promises of God too soon. Often just before victory is achieved, we walk off the battlefield and become discouraged, disheartened, drained. Well, if you want to put it into a more common vernacular, we dud out. The ones who are listed here today did not. I start with six men. The six men are composed of four judges, four judges of Israel, one king of Israel, and one prophet slash priest. We begin our list by going back to the text. For what more shall I say? For the time will fail me to tell of Gideon. And I pray now that the time will not fail me to tell of all of these. And we begin with Gideon. Gideon, a judge of Israel. It's interesting, this list is given out of order. Gideon first. Many speculations, not sure why but perhaps because the victory that he achieved was so great. You'll find it in Judges chapter 6 through chapter 8. A mighty army of the Midianites was coming against the people of Israel, and they had been afflicting them sorely. And it was this man, Gideon, who brought about the great victory with just a few in number. Many of you from reading your Bibles will know that he began with tens of thousands of men and God winnowed down the numbers who would stand with Gideon against the Midianites to just 300 men who lapped the water from the brook who would stand with him and the rest went home. Now they are going to stand against the Midians. 
And they did stand according to the promise of God because they followed the instructions of God. And then the Lord turned to him in Judges chapter 6, verse 14, and said, quote, Go in the might of this might of yours, he says to Gideon, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? That is the promise of God. Skipping down to Judges 6, verse 33, Then all the Midianites, Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. And now I move on to chapter 7 of Judges, verse 19. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled when the three hundred blew the trumpets. The Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia toward Zerorah, as far as the border of Abel, Mahola, by Tabath. Victory. Courageous faith, 300 men, alone, with torches, pitchers, shields, trumpets. Faith. Do it God's way. Believe God. Victory is sustained through this kind of faith. Next, Barak. Barak, a judge of Israel, found in Judges chapters 4 and through 5. He is noteworthy for the defeat that he brought about over the Canaanites, namely King Jabin of Canaan. The Bible tells us who had 900 chariots of iron. But at the same time, this man was reluctant. He did not want to go into the fight himself, even though God had promised. He wanted Deborah, a woman, both a judge and a prophetess of Israel, to go with him. She went, but she also said this to him in Judges chapter 4, verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up! For this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from, the, from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. Sisera was the commander of King Jabin's Canaanite army. Samson is next. In a book on faith, of all the people that God could have written about in the Bible, and all that he could have left out, I find it amazing that God left Samson in. Many of you who know your Bibles and know about the judge Samson, you know that though he was a Nazarite that was to be dedicated to God, even from the womb of his mother, 
And so as a Nazarite grew his hair very long, because that was part of the Nazarite vow, we know that he did not live a life that was exemplary before the Lord. As a matter of fact, he was quite the little louse. And he also had a problem with women, namely foreign women, Philistine women, two at least, and the last one was his undoing, which we all know her name, Delilah. He also is one of faith, though he ended up blind and a prisoner. Unto victory. Gideon, Barak, Samson, and now Jephthah. Jephthah, uh, a fourth judge of Israel, found in Judges chapter 11 through chapter 12, verse 7. He was a Gileadite from Gilead, the son of a harlot. He was driven out by his half brothers, yet he was the one they turned to, for he was a valiant man to deliver Israel from the hordes of the Ammonites. Yet this man as well is in the book of faith, though he's also noteworthy for having made a very foolish vow, saying to the Lord in a seemingly spiritual way, the first thing that comes out of my house after this victory I will offer to the Lord. It was foolish for the first one to come out of his house was his only daughter. He's a man of faith, Judges 11, verse 32. So Jephthah advanced toward the people of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands and defeated them from Eror to Minith, 20 cities, to Abel Kermaim, with a very great slaughter. Thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. Courage in every case, based on the promises of God. But did you notice, they all had to fight. James says, you say you have faith, I will show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead, or if you will, saying I have faith and doing nothing is not faith. Faith acts on the known promises of God. It sustains until victory. It's one thing to say you have faith and then quit, which anyone on the outside looking in would say, you don't have faith. Or if you do, not much. Faith keeps on going and it gets into the thick of the fight. Every one of these men were promised victory. Every one of them. God said, I'll deliver them into your hand. Which meant their hand had to go wherever it was they kept the sword pull it from the sheath, and carry it into the face of the enemy. And fight. 
and expect the victory. That means blood was shed. Carnage. Fear was overcome. That's faith. You still have to swing the sword and fight against real people. We've forgotten that in the church. It is true we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and things in high places. And that is very true. And those powers of Satan and the demons also are using people against you. You're in a fight. You still have to swing the sword like these judges. Moving from the age of the judges when there was no king in Israel and every man did what was right in his own eyes, God then gave Israel a king, King Saul, who did not follow God in faith very well and feared the people and so lost his kingship and his kingdom. And God anointed David as king over Israel. And it is God's own evaluation of David that he was a man after God's own heart. But forget not his initiation into following God by faith, for it is this King David, before he had the crown, who stood against the armies of the Philistines and offered himself up as the champion of Israel over all the older and trained warriors, David went out to do single combat with Goliath the giant of the Philistines, if we have got the measurements right, was taller than Shaquille O'Neal by two feet. And whose spearhead weighed 600 shekels, which is 16 pounds. What our strongest men use as a shot put, he had on the end of a spear balanced out so the spear itself weighed way more than that for the end has to balance out the other end and he could throw it. And David with his five stones and his sling went and delivered Israel, became king and delivered them from all her enemies. Yet, this is David of courageous faith who sinned with Bathsheba and murdered Uriah the Hittite. God speaks to David in 2 Samuel 7, and he pronounces what is called the Davidic covenant, the Davidic promise of a kingdom that would last forever. And then David composes a prayer and prays back. And I read now 2 Samuel 7, 28, and David is praying and saying, Oh, and now, O Lord God, you are God. And your words are true. And you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing let the house of your servant be blessed forever. That is victory. 
His faith is going now and continues on. The faith of David is still operating for his king to come and be king. We are yet waiting for that man, for that king of the line of David, the same Jesus who will come again. David the king, then to Samuel the prophet and priest of Israel, who also acted as the final judge of Israel, is listed last. What a man he was, born to Hannah in her barren old age, to a priestly line and a priestly family, and then dedicated to the Lord from his birth and brought there even as a child to serve in the temple These words are written that include Samuel in Psalm 99, verse 5 through 6. It says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests, and Samuel was among those, listen, who called upon his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. Courageous faith trusts that God is there, that his promises are real, and that you can trust them to sustain you to the end, to final victory, even if you do not see the full victory yourself. That is faith. That is courageous faith. And now we move to the nine clauses, nine clauses in a row. Swift, staccato statements, and for me they resound uh, like an army that's gathered together for battle, and the drummers come forward, and they begin to call the cadence of the march. And with their strokes and such staccato beat, they start marching out the beat of faith. And here we find it for us, the drumbeat of the Lord that comes to us through the writer of Hebrews. And he reminds us again in verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. These are the ones listed here without name, just deeds, but I shall put a name to some of them. Those who through faith subdued kingdoms, we certainly remember Joshua who led the armies of Israel against the Ammonite kings of Og and Sihon. We think of all the judges, each of them in their turn, who looked at a kingdom before them that was looking to subdue Israel, and they subdued that kingdom in their turn. Those who would oppress Israel were brought low, and Israel was brought high by the very hand of God through men of faith. Certainly we would add to this number, he who subdued all the enemies of Israel, King David, who, as we said, began his career with Goliath and then went on to the rest of the Philistines and cleaned the house and the land of their enemies. It is he who wrote these kinds of words, these words of faith and celebration of what God had done to make him 
And I think it's important that we all understand that God made us, and he made us in a way, and we are to celebrate that. And notice what David celebrates in Psalm 18, verse 32. David said, It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war. Did you read that? That's in your Bible. David said, he teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a, bro, a bow of, of bronze. I don't know about you, but that's got to be a pretty tough pull. There's no compound bow here. Any of those little wheels that make it easy on you, you modern wimps. He pulls a real bow, bow, a bow, and he knows that God is the one that made him swift of foot and strong of thews so that he can indeed be a man who would clean out the Philistines from Israel, from the promised land, made by God to be a warrior for God is not denigrated in the scriptures. It is celebrated in song. Every warrior who serves his country and defends the people in it should know this psalm, should know this God of the psalms. And those of us who would stand and defend the word of truth, whether it be by might or whether it be by word or other deeds, need to realize we've been made for a day in which that can be used because we've been made by God for this purpose. Notice David goes on in Psalm 18 and he says words like this. This is a song, by the way. He says, I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again until they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. When God says, go subdue that enemy and be my just hand of righteousness for victory and glory, that is what they were to do. May I add just a caveat here? We are not defending Israel the same way today as they were then, but I do believe Israel has a right today to defend herself because the promises that that land's theirs is of God. And one day he's going to give it to them through the hand of the king who is coming. Enough said. So these are the ones in this list that we find who through faith subdued kingdoms and now worked righteousness. What does this mean? It means they administered justice. Let me give you two examples. First, King Solomon. King Solomon is known for his wisdom, and the wisdom was put to the test. In the book of 1 Kings, we find that there were two harlots. Both lived in the same house, and both gave birth to a child within days of one another. Now, one foolish one laid on her child and killed it in her bed, and so got up during the night and switched babies with the other woman in the house. And they went to King Solomon for justice. Because the lady was calling her, the live child her own, and the other said, no, it is mine. 
In 1 Kings 3.26, Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. Well, what just happened? The justice of Solomon happened, for he said, Give me the child. And he said, Bring a sword. And he said, Now cut the child in two and give one half to this woman and one half to the other and it became revelatory for the one that cared most for the child was the child's mother. And she said, no, let her have it rather than let the child die. But the other one said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. Divide him. The other woman wanted that child dead too. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother. Now listen, and all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Justice is a victory. To have justice prevail, evil must be stood against. Error and lies must be fought. And Solomon fought them with the wisdom of God. Later there was a king, one of the last good kings in Judah, King Jehoshaphat. In 2 Chronicles 19, we read of his reforms in the land. And one of his reforms in the land that was so desperately needed was to have righteous and good judges who ruled well. And so Jehoshaphat, verse 4 of 2 Chronicles 19, dwelt at Jerusalem. And he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim and brought them back, listen, to the Lord God of their fathers. Then, here it is, he set judges in the land throughout all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, take heed to what you are doing. Listen to this. For you do not judge for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Now therefore let, and here it is, this is beautiful, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor no partiality, nor taking of bribes. Oh, hallelujah, what it must have been like to have a king like this that would reform the land and the justice would prevail. I think we have. In our society and time, a need for just such valiant men of faith and courage to stand up and rule with what is truth and right and just and not show partiality, nor the taking of bribes. For I fear too many have been bought. It takes courage to judge rightly to understand and know that lady justice is blind just what is right matters to take no cultural position to suffer no pressure from domineering people that is a courage that sustains to victory. They worked righteousness. Thirdly, they 
obtained promises. The third of these clauses, obtained promises. I begin with Abraham and Sarah. What a delight to them. God said this. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And so it was for Israel is. And since Israel is, Isaac was. The promise was made and kept and held by courageous faith. By the way, if you were 90 years old like Sarah, would you be ready to raise a child? I think that took some faith. That took some courage. Obtain promises, Joshua. And all the children of Israel received the land, houses to dwell in, wells that were dug, and vineyards that were prepared, all by the promises of God. Before they entered the land in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is what we read in verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, listen, large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant all of those things were promised all of those things came for those who through faith had the courage that would sustain them through unto victory but they still had to clean them out of the land king solomon king solomon second chronicles 1 verse 11 then god said to solomon because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or life or of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the king's have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. The truth of this happening, the trust of Solomon in it, is recorded in 1 Kings 4, verse 34. And men of all nations, of all the kings of the earth, who had heard of his wisdom, came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. He obtained the promise. How about Elijah the Tishbite obtaining the promise? Here is a man who stood for the Lord when all the evil kings were against him. First Kings 17, and Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain three years except, or these years except at my word. Verse 2, chapter 17, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Here's the promise. Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook 
and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. <laughs> That's in your Bible. And if you told anybody that, what would they say? I mean, think about telling yourself that. Well, I'm going to go hide out here by this brook God told me to, and the ravens are going to bring me food. Elijah's finally lost it. What a nut job. You can't trust this guy. But wait a minute, he trusts God. Is this so hard? Where did the ravens come from? From God. If God can command you, you reckon he can maybe have some influence on a raven or two? And if you know ravens, you know ravens are pretty good scrounges. They can get that stuff before you can say whip-de-zip and have it beyond your reach. And so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went camping without food. Because God told him to. And did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. Not dough, bread. And meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the book. He obtained promises. It's one thing to have Elijah on Mount Carmel calling down the fire of God against the prophets of Baal. But do you hear him here where he sits where God told him to sit? He drinks where God told him to drink. And he eats from the beaks, not the hand, the beaks of those which God has designed to feed him. Victory over famine when there's no rain in the land, trusting in God to protect you from the wrath he's pouring out on Ahab and Israel. Obtain promises. Stop the mouths of lions. Stop the mouths of lions. Most young men who want to be valiant like this clause. Samson. I used to admire Samson. I don't think I admired him rightly. I admired the strength which he possessed. And such was the strength that God gave Samson when the Spirit of God came on him that he could do this. Judges chapter 14, verse 5. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. I love how the Bible is just downplays the whole thing. And suddenly, here came a lion roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart, as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. Yeah. That's a guy. But that's the God behind the guy and now marked out. Stop the mouths of lions. Do you remember King David before he stood against Goliath was questioned by King Saul that he was able to even do such a thing. 
And Saul tried to give him armor and weapons, and David refused them because he said, I have not tested them. I, I can't do it. And Saul said to David in 1 Samuel 17, verse 33, You are not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock... I want you to zero in here. I went out after it. I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. Give me that. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard. You ever heard of bearding a lion? Well, here it is. And struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. This is faith. Notice, he's guarding the sheep. He's the youngest son. This is, well, this is the job for the donkey boy. This is the lowest on the totem pole job. The youngest has to go stay with the sheep. Every single one of those brothers was glad when another son got old enough to go out with the sheep, meaning they don't have to be there anymore. And that's where David was in the lowest job, in the lowest position, and he was faithful in the lowest position to defend the flock over which he was given charge and trusted the Lord to help him guard that flock, even putting his life at the danger of lions and bears. You know, and some bright spark out there who knows a little bit about the lions and the bears of Judah will say, well, you know, the lions in Judah were not as big as the ones in Africa, and the bears weren't as large. I'm like, okay. Let's see you do it then. And then Goliath will be next. Lesson in that, there's training in the little things by faith for the tests of greater faith that are yet to come. If you're going to be courageous, you have to have your... Faith tested, and it will be tested, and you have to trust the Lord for his deliverance so that you can follow him first and others second, even if it means facing lions like Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. We all know the story. If you don't, you should read Daniel chapter 6. A new king sits on the throne. The Babylonians have fallen to the Medo-Persian empire. Darius is the king. He's divided up the kingdom, made satrapies and given one to Daniel and then other big areas of satrap rule to others. These others then grow jealous at Daniel because he's doing such a good job and taking such notice and King Darius is thinking of putting the whole kingdom under his control and so they get crafty. And they go to King Darius and they said, you're so great you need to decree that for 30 days, whoever speaks or prays or talks to another God beside you will be thrown into the den of lions. 
interesting note, that means they already had a den of lions for such purposes. And Daniel goes up into his room with the windows open and he prays to the Lord three times a day as has been his habit and they throw him in the lion's den. And so distraught is Darius over this that he hopes that it comes out well for Daniel for he realizes he has been tricked by the other satraps. But he had to keep his own law because the law of the Medes and the Persians cannot be broken once it's made. And then we pick it up in Daniel 6, verse 20. And when he came, when Darius came to the den, this king cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you, before victory. Faith in the den of lions. Before victory in the den of lions, faith to pray, even though they say you're going to the den of lions if you pray. You last till victory. Quench the violence of fire. And who can forget Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a similar situation with Nebuchadnezzar calling on all to bow to the statue that he'd made for himself. And these three young men said that they would not bow to any but their own God in worship. And so they were thrown in to the fiery furnace, and so angry was King Nebuchadnezzar that he had the furnace heated seven times hotter than it had been previously. And then in verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I think he's right. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. Now listen to this. And the satraps of ministers, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. They saw these men whose bodies the fire had no power, had no power over. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Now, did they know that was going to happen? No. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, if it's God's will that he deliver us, that's what will happen. If not, just know he's still God and will not bow before you. We don't always know if he's going to deliver from the fire, but they were, and they're here. Six escaped the edge of the sword. We all know David and Goliath, but do you know David when he was old? 2 Samuel 21, when the Philistines were at war against Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint 
Then Ishbi Binab, who was one of the sons of the giant, and the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels. This is little brother. Goliath weighed 600 shekels. This brother just has an 800 pound, uh, an eight pound spearhead who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. He's old, and he's still fighting. And he had to be told, Not anymore. Out of weakness were made strong. Who was stronger than Samson? I ask. Who was made weaker than Samson? I ask. Delilah wheedled from him the secret. The power was in his hair, and so she cut his hair. Judges 16, 19, then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. Sound familiar? They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. Who was weaker than Samson? And then in the temple to Dagon, their god, Samson is brought on display to denigrate the god of Israel. And Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life out of weakness made strong. We could speak of Hezekiah, who when he was dying, called to the Lord, and the Lord increased his life by 15 years. But I have to go on. Became valiant in battle. Shamgar, a judge, he gets just this in the word of God. And after him was Shamgar. You, know, you want to name your son a strong name? There it is, Shamgar. Maybe they can call him Shammy. Yeah, that's for free. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. He also delivered Israel. And we could speak of Jael, the woman who, as Sisera was running from Barak, brought her into her tent, fed him, gave him warm milk. He laid down to sleep. And Jael took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple. And it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. There's a gal. 
as Louis Lavoie would say, one to ride the river with. Turn to flight the enemies of the aliens. Gideon routed the armies of Midian. Jonathan and his servants alone went up against the Philistines. And he said, well, if they say to us, come up, we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hands. And then the Philistines said to Jonathan and his armor-bearer, come up to us, and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his knees with his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. As he came up after him, his armor-bearer killed them. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about 20 men with about, within about half an acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away, and they went out of there. Nine clauses, one sentence. What's the sentence? first sentence in verse 35 Hebrews 11 women received their dead raised to life again I'm going to give you two women who are not of Israel two women who had special sons two special prophets who kept them both alive and then raised their sons from the dead Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. 1 Kings 17, Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. <laughs> There's an understatement. Then the woman said to Elijah, Listen, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Elisha and the Shunammite woman who would feed him and take care of him every time he went by and then made a room for him. And God asked the Lord, what can I do for this woman? She has no child and so he prayed to God and God gave her a child. Then one day the child cried out, my head, my head, and the child died. And so the woman in her grief and her anger called to Elisha and said, why did you give me a son if you're just going to take him away? And then Elijah went up in the room and prayed and he didn't revive. So he laid himself over the child. He went up and he lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times. Don't ask me why seven times. I have no idea. And the child opened his eyes. I think the detail just shows you this really happened. Courageous faith. Courageous faith. Sustains unto victory. It doesn't quit. 
it doesn't get up, give up. It trusts God. Believe it. You're going to need faith in 2024 to see any victory. Let's pray. O oh God of our fathers, God of the fathers of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you are our God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, is our Savior, God, and King. Faith is what we need, not false faith and false things, but faith in you and your promises and in your word and in your commands to obey them. May you prepare our hearts for this coming year, even today. We may jump on the springboard of your word and fly high and do the work that will lead to your plan and your promises being fulfilled through faith. Make us courageous. We pray in Jesus' name. All God's people say it. Amen.